Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. It's about Jesus this morning. We, you know, I'm just honored, my, on behalf of my wife and my family, we're just honored that we can call the Pearl Church home. Um, it's, it's, it's been a place of healing, it's a place of comfort. Um, many of you who have traveled across the country and have found Colorado and Denver your home have known that the Pearl has been a place that you can kind of build roots here and be connected. And so I feel very uh, honored and humbled, and I just thank uh, Pastor Doug and Donna and the team and uh, for just uh, being a part of this church and allowing us to be a part of it uh, as we journey. You know, we all have our journey and our place that we're going through, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of awesome to be here uh, at, at the Pearl. And um, and uh, Kiba, Pastor, and Doug and Donna in prayer. They are on vacation. I know Pastor is speaking throughout his trip, and so we just keep him in prayer and and the family in prayer as they just get some rest and well deserved rest. Amen. All right, so uh, we're in the middle of a series called The Waymaker, and uh, I'm, uh, I've, I've been really excited about it, and, uh, and just kind of understanding a little bit more of how God makes a way, uh, and how Jesus has made a way uh, for us to get to know him more. Um, last week's uh, message that Pastor shared about wanting more, going after more, having God uh, do more in our lives. I think that kind of even resounded even more during worship this morning. I think we felt that, this desire of wanting more and knowing that something is, he, he's doing something, church. He's doing something in this, in this house. He's doing something in this city. And even though we don't see it, doesn't mean that it's not happening. And so uh, we're going to dive into uh, a passage here uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. So you can get that ready on your, uh, bookmark that on your phone or uh, on your analog device right here if you happen to have one. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to dive in a little bit deeper. I want to go ahead, I'm going to open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump in and kind of uh, deconstruct a little bit about this passage. I believe God has something for all of us. Um, you know, I feel it, uh, it has impacted me in the past couple weeks just preparing, and I believe it, uh, it resounds in all followers of Christ what he teaches in this passage. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, Lord God, that we can come into this house and dive into your word. We're hungry for it, Lord Jesus. We know that your word is life, and uh, it's, you are the life source. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you can just speak into our hearts, wherever we're at, all individually, we're in our own journey, Lord God, but that your word will be relevant and life-giving, and Lord God, and life-producing through us, Lord Jesus, as we hear it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, about a year ago, um, I experienced something that I didn't know being new to Colorado, that Colorado actually, it happens in Colorado, and that's hailstorms. Um, had no idea that it was intense. I've lived in Missouri, I lived in Texas, and uh, I, th- there's nothing like hail from Colorado. Um, the, you know, softball size, baseball size, golf ball size, hail. And so about a, uh, almost a year ago, we were in our minivan because nothing says you uh, have given up this sense of feeling like you're cool um, or having children than driving a minivan and, uh, in Colorado. Um, 
you know, awesome 150 trucks driving by and stuff like that, and I'm in my minivan. That's okay. It's a season. It's a season that's lasting longer than I wanted, but um, so whatever. I'm in my minivan, owning it on the inside like it's the car I want, even though on the outside it tells a different story. Um, but we're driving it on 25, and we're somewhere between Castle Rock and coming into the city, and traffic just stops. It's like full-blown just traffic. It's just, it's a swimming pool, right? It's just dead. And uh, so all of a sudden it starts to rain, and we start to see like what looks like snow. And so everybody in the car, it's me, my wife, my sister, my niece, my daughter, my son, and we're all in there, and we're like, look at it, look, it's snow, it's great. And you can see it like a giant wave slowly coming towards us. And I'm just like, this is amazing. People, get your cameras, get your pictures. And we're like all like giddy, you know what I mean? Excited, you know? Um, and, and then we hear a sound that we've never heard before. Like it's, it, it's like gunfire. And I'm seeing things bounce off cars in front of me. Be it, there's about 20 feet in front of me, there's an overpass that cars are pulling into. Now that's full because they're, they're experienced. They know what's happening. I'm stuck. On the left side of me is a guy in a motorcycle. On the right-hand side of me is a giant semi-truck. I'm pinned, right? So I'm sitting there, and I see it, and it starts to hit. And we're like, hell, yay, woo! Have no idea that outside our car is getting destroyed. Quickly, the, the, the excitement and the giddiness turns into, um, oh, no, this is not safe. Something's wrong. Uh, what's happening? It's hitting the windshield. It, it's sounding like it's, it's going to come in. All of a sudden now, like, we're, we're screaming, we're yelling, we're, we're, you know, we're shouting out verses that apply biblically. I'm going back into seminary trying to think, like, Greek words and Hebrew words that might push through the spiritual realm and get to God faster. I'm talking about where's our warring angels. Like, I'm starting to, like, get, get in a real crazy place in my mind. And then it hit so hard that I literally thought the windshield broke. And I, I'm just like, everybody down! You know, now it's war. And, and pure fear from the, the bottom of my feet, because there's nothing like feeling like you're strapped into a vehicle, not able to go anywhere, and, and, and you're being attacked, right? And so I'm telling my kids, my son's like, no, I can't get out of the car seat. I'm like, who cares about the car seat? Get under the chair. And like, it, it, it's cra crazy. <clears throat> and then we look over, and the man driving the motorcycle is now bleeding from the top of his head down to his shoulders because he had no helmet on. So that's a lesson for you guys. Those who don't have minivans. Anyway, so, you know, uh, you know, he's just holding his head, and I hear, for a quick second, I hear this high pitch, like, high pitch, like, yell that, for a second, kind of scared me, but I kind of was like, there's a lot of ladies in the car, and I looked around and realized none of them were yelling, it was me. <laughs> It was one of those ones that comes from the back of your throat that's kind of like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a Celine Dion kind of heart goes on, high-pitched. And, and 
embarrassment went right out the window. I can care less. I can care less because fear had literally overtaken me. And it was just survival. Well, our car was completely damaged and things like that, and we just have still to drive it out there. If you want proof um, that I wasn't embellishing, our van is in the parking lot later on. We'll take pictures (laughs) together as a family. That's awesome. You know, in this passage in Mark chapter 4, we'll go right into it, um, there's a moment when uh, what you think is about to happen quickly turns into something that you didn't think could happen, in the blink of an eye, something from bad goes absolutely worst. And I think we need to be real as a church today that not every day in our journey with God is roses. Not every day in our journey with God is like mountaintop experiences. And that quickly, we can see a wave come and hit us and fear will rise up inside of us and kind of just disorient us a little bit about what's happening. And I think it's so wild that in the scripture we see a real account of followers of Christ experiencing something similar. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind had died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, reading this, I was just thinking about like, wow, you know, they just didn't get it. The disciples, you know, just didn't have faith. It's so easy, I think, to kind of knowing the whole story and having the complete word and what Jesus did on the cross um, to kind of look at it and disconnect from what the disciples were experiencing But there's something, as I was reading this over and over again, that kind of stood out for me, that kind of started to bother me. Not that the scripture or anything was wrong, but there was something that kind of nagged on me that kind of just didn't make sense. It didn't click for me. Uh, That was that the disciples were afraid, and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You know, something to understand a little bit in that time, uh, in that time period, culturally, uh, fishermen knew four major things. The first thing the fishermen knew is the fishermen knew to stay in sight of the shore. That literally, that their boat could not go too far from shore because they needed to see, you know, where they were and they didn't want to drift too far away. They also wanted to make sure that they were close to shore just in case anything happened. And so they were constantly in sight of the shore and they were there. So fishermen were aware of their surroundings. Second thing is that fishermen um, had to swim. You know, you didn't have a fisherman that didn't want to swim. It didn't, it didn't make sense. And the reason why is because they didn't fish with fishing poles. They actually fished with nets that got thrown out. And so they usually the boat had a four, you know, four-man team. We see that even in Scripture where Jesus goes and calls his disciples. And it says, you know, uh, you know there was a father with two sons. They're out there tending the nets. There was a net. There was a process. There was a four-man team that happened on the boat. You know, one man would be there watching the boat, working with the tent, uh, the net. Uh, the other two fishermen would 
prepare to throw the net onto the water, and one fisherman would jump into the water to position the weights. And so there was this, this team thing that happened, and, uh, and they hardly wore clothing because they knew that at some point during the day while they're fishing, someone's going in the water. The third thing is fishermen have a, have a boat for fish. I know that sounds really silly to say that, but they literally had a boat that was created um, with kind of like this um, arched center where they would fill it up with water. When the scripture says that more water was coming into the boat, it wasn't that there was no water to begin with. There was already water there. And I had to say, see, I said it in like New York style, right? Water. All right, so they had water in the boat already because when they catch the fish, they wanted to make sure that fish didn't rot in their time fishing out there in the sun. So they, they wanted to have that fish to be fresh. So their concern was when the waves were coming in, it wasn't just going to capsize. It literally was going to be sucked into the water. It was going to be sunken into the water. And that was their concern um, when they saw the waves. But they knew that the boat was made to hold fish. And the fourth one is fishermen know weather. See, this is the things that were starting to nag on me because knowing about fishermen in that time, it, it, it starts, things started to not sound right on the, in this passage. See, fishermen know weather because in the Sea of Galilee, it's surrounded with giant, huge mountains, similar to what we have here, literally 2,000 feet from the surface of the water were mountains all around. But the water itself was 680 feet below sea level. Now, those who know weather and watch the Weather Channel, like my wife, it's literally every day. I'm like, who are you texting? She's like, nothing, the Weather Channel. I'm like, okay. Um, love it. She loves it. And that's how I go dress prepared for this Colorado weather. And there's no hailstorm that I'm not going to be prepared for. Um, but the storm, they have all this cold air pushing down, all the heat from the lake coming up, and it's like an explosion on the lake, and waves come up. So it wasn't rare it wasn't a rare thing that waves and squalls, sometimes 30 feet high, would happen on the Lake of Galilee. So why are fishermen terrified? If they know the weather, if they know the boat, if they know, really, they've been trained since kids to get in the water, what are they afraid about? What are they terrified about? They should know this. It would be like a fireman who was afraid of fire. Yes, maybe cautious, but they would always go into what they were trained to do. It would kind of like this instinct would happen. Yeah, I'm cautious about fire, but I'm going to get in there because this is what I do. They lived on the water, and in water with extreme, extreme uh, situations that were happening. So why were they say, we're afraid? And that our teacher doesn't care whether or not we're going to drown. I think uh, when we understand a little bit of the life of the Galilean fishermen, you realize that something is not right in that biblical account. Previously, in uh, the passage beforehand, uh, Jesus is talking about parables, and he's sharing parables, and he's sharing about the sowing and reaping. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about faith. Mark helps us to understand that this passage on the, on the Sea of Galilee is not in a separate account. It is actually the continuing of a narrative that is actually happening from what Jesus is talking about because Mark introduces the passage as later on that day, 
So he's saying, like, this is what we learned about parables. Fully didn't understand it, but that's cool. Kingdom of God, sowing, reaping, faith, awesome. Great teacher. And then we get on a boat. He tells us to get on the boat, and it's a continu- later on that night, this is what happened. So we know right off the bat, this is going to be a passage about faith. But not, I think, demonstrated by God the way we normally digest faith. It's a little bit a little bit different. Not sure where you are today in your faith with God, whether you see him as a, a protector, a healer, an encourager, or if you've seen so many waves and rocking boats in your life that you see him as someone who doesn't show up, you know, someone who doesn't care, uh, someone who's asleep on your boat. We're going to experience, I think, what God is really trying to say in this account that the disciples actually had to live through when it comes to faith in the sight of giant white squalls. You know, in this passage, the disciples had this overwhelming feeling that Jesus had no concern or interest on saving them from the big waves that were stirring, staring at the disciples. Just to give you some background in the scripture, There is a word that is used three times in this passage, and we kind of lose it for the English language. There is a word that's used three times, and that's magna. And the the root of magna is actually like mega or big, right? So when it talks about the big waves, it's just not waves, it's big, mega waves. And the way they describe their fear, the actual text is mega fear, it compares it the same way. Big waves, big fear. And when Jesus says, so you don't have faith, he's actually saying you don't have mega faith. That's the third time he uses that word. So big waves, big fear, big faith. Here's the lesson that Jesus is really trying to teach us. is saying there are some mega things that are going to happen in your life. He's setting the stage for the crucifixion. He's setting the stage for the Last Supper. He's setting the stage for the ascension. He's already looking at the whole story. He's looking at us right now, looking in that time as he's prepared to go on that boat and saying, we're going to go in that direction, knowing that we're sitting here today facing big waves with big fears and hoping that we have big faith. And so he's looking at it and, and saying, you know, I think this experience would be a great lab, a great experience to show what happens when you have big faith and how to combat big fear. So this morning I want to explore four actions that Jesus did in this passage in order to teach us how to have big faith during big fear moments. The first one is Jesus sets a course. When we become followers of Christ, we don't fully understand this and know this. It's something that we grow into. But when we follow Jesus, we're literally giving him everything. And what we're saying to him is that, Jesus, you are going to set the course and the direction for my life. It wasn't the fisherman's idea to get back in the boat and go across the lake. All right? And Honestly, it was rare for them to do transportation in that way, okay? It took up time. It it, it wasn't the greatest thing to do. 
Um, other boats followed them. So there was this mass, you know, huge armada that took off into the lake. But he did it for a purpose. And Jesus says, hey, we're going to go over to that side of Galilee and that's it. let's take the lake. Let's go on the boat. And he sets the course. Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over there to the other side. It started with Jesus. I always feel that I have a pretty good sense of direction until I came here to Colorado. I don't know if anybody else has experienced this. People always tell me, oh, Josh, you'll never get lost. The mountains are on the west side. (laughs) How does that get me to Krispy Kreme? I don't know. (laughs) If you know that answer, someone tell me. Someone tell me. You know, oh, it's just west. Look at the mountains. I don't, I don't know where Park Meadows Mall is. Go west. Um, so I get spun around. I got spun around. I was downtown, and I'm just like, where's west? There's the mountains. So I have a love-hate relationship with a woman, and it's not my wife. It's Siri. It's like a dating relationship where you really want to break up with the person, but you feel like you can't get them out of your car after a date. Like, I have to take her with me. I put her on. I put the volume low. She's like, and I'm like, whatever, Siri. And then I realize, like, she knows what she's talking about. And so I want to do things without her, but I need her. You know, it's such a codependent relationship. Pray for me. I think my wife's concerned. I was like, it's my birthday. We should just invite her. You know, I'm inviting her into awkward situations. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that's that hard thing is that she knows the direction. She, you know, the course is set. She knows how to get there. Um, but I'm fighting it. But I'm fighting it because I want to be in control in how we're going to do it. When we choose to follow Christ, we must always remember that it's he who sets the course for us. Psalms 37, 23 says this, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds us with his hand. So even if you feel this morning that you were on a journey, on a course, that you've charted yourself know that Jesus is right there with you and he's journeying with you and he's like, I know where to take you. Whether that's a redirection, whether that's, hey, listen, I want to bring you back into alignment. He so gently with his grace, mercy, and love is setting the course even if we're countering that by going a different direction. That doesn't intimidate him. He'll set the course again. He'll set the course again. Because if you're a follower of Jesus... It's his responsibility. Hear me, church. It's his responsibility and his desire to set the course for us. He puts it upon himself. You know, the second is Jesus secures the spot. We can quickly look over this verse where it says Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. We can look quickly look over that and say, well, yeah, that doesn't really that doesn't really matter. He just, you know, picked, picked a spot and went to sleep. 
A lot of times in our lives when we're working through big waves and big stuff, we think, yeah, Jesus is with me. I know Jesus, hallelujah. I know he's with me in my journey. But sometimes he's asleep at the wheel. Sometimes he's just hanging out in the corner asleep. Where is he? I thought he was going to show up. I thought he was going to do this. I thought this is the moment where he, he jumps in and says, here, I'm going to save you. I'm going to take care of you. And we feel like he's asleep on the cushion. He was asleep on the stern. He picked that spot on the stern. Why? Because that stern actually controls the rudder. That place, that rudder actually controls the direction of where that boat is going to go. And he's laying literally on top of the rudder. In the 15th century, that rudder, that stern, actually gets developed on major battleships and becomes the captain's quarters. It's where the captain plans, sleeps, prepares. And in the midst of the storm of a giant waves and turmoils of fear, we find Jesus at the captain's quarters sitting there in peace. In your boat, waiting there. Not pushing, saying, I'm the captain, I'm the Lord, but just waiting for us to identify that's the one that's in control. That's the ultimate fisherman that knows what to do. He's the ultimate person. So many times we encounter waves in our lives that begin to swell up and rock our lives. Please know today that sometimes Jesus is uh, steering us right into a perfect storm so that he can reveal himself to us. We choose to move away from perfect storms. Jesus steers us right into them. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. He doesn't steer us away from it. He said, I'm going to walk you right through it. Why? Because he wants to reveal himself to us. A lot of times it's because we have an image or a projection or an expectation of who he is that doesn't fully match who he really is. And so he wants to reveal himself to us. He doesn't just secure a spot. He doesn't just pick the course. Jesus speaks with power. When they were afraid, he stands up and he speaks with power. He says, quiet, be still. He rebuked the wind and told the waves to shut up. Now, what's interesting about this, if we dive in a little bit deeper... When he said, I rebuke, when he said Jesus rebuked the wind, that word rebuke is actually attributed to the word power, dubinous, that actually is connected with God. It wasn't just Jesus, the teacher. It wasn't just Jesus, the friend. When Jesus arose from his slumber and stood up, almost like a foreshadowing of Resurrection Sunday, when he stood up in the middle of all turmoil and he spoke, he spoke as God. With the power of God, he spoke to tell those things to have peace and to stop. Be encouraged today that in the midst of your boat, in the midst of your storm, that Jesus is there, that he set the course And when it's his time, he will rise up as God and speak with authority and power to the winds and to the waves. He'll say, peace, be still. And finally, Jesus surprises, Jesus surprises our core beliefs. 
As we start to like grow in our relationship with God, we start to like kind of categorize who Jesus is, right? You know, um, based on our situation and based on what we've learned, we start to put this character uh, of like who God is. And a situation like this begins to shake our core beliefs so that we really understand who God is. It says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. My parents visited Colorado a while back during the winter, and I love Estes Park, so we wanted to go drive to Estes Park. And it started to snow really hard. It was like one of the really hard snow storms right around uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, so it was really, really bad, but I kept driving in my minivan that was literally, I don't know why they were afraid. We were sliding left to right and spinning around. And my parents were like, I don't think we should go up to the mountains. And I said, no, it's awesome. Uh, we're just going to keep trekking in. You know it's bad when the, when the park rangers aren't there to collect your money and give you a map. We drove right through. I literally said, this must be a free day. There was no, I was like, look at the traffic. There's no traffic. What do I know? I'm from New Jersey. So we drove right into the park. We're making our way all the way up to Emerald Lake. No railings, all that different stuff. And my parents are like, this is crazy. My mom starts crying, right? So it's like, you know, son's heart, mom's crying. So I was like, mom, what are you crying? And she's like, she's like I'm just crying. She's like, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm terrified. This is too much. This is too much. And I was just like, what do you mean too much? Snow stopped for a second. Beautiful blue Colorado sky. You know what I'm talking about. In front of it, all these mountain ranges, snowy peaks, huge mountains. Elk are walking around, wondering what I'm doing there. And my mom said, I'm just terrified. She was like shaking. I'm just terrified. I said, it's beautiful. It's majestic. It's amazing. Mom, there's no words to describe this. And they had never seen anything like it. And my mom said, that's why I'm terrified. She said, I'm so small. And she is. She's a small Hispanic woman. And she said, she's small. She's like, I'm small. And those mountains are so big. And my God is even bigger. You see, two things started and finished with the disciples. They were terrified at the big waves but they said they were afraid of who that was that spoke and told the waves to stop. They said they were afraid. What's the difference? The difference is one is like, I think our life is in danger. Another one is there's someone so much bigger than we can even imagine, and they're in our boat. This morning, God is in your boat, and he's bigger than you can ever imagine. And the waves are coming. And the storm is pushing you to and fro. And you feel like, hey, I've handled this before. I'm experienced. I know what to do. But then the squalls get so big that you're like, I don't even, I don't know if I can handle it this time. And then God stands up and speaks peace. And I think the only response today is the simple response of what the, the disciples said. I think there's no other response. I think that's so human. Who is this? 
I think that's the question we asked this morning. Who is this? Who is this guy? They called him teacher. They didn't even call him master. They didn't call him Lord. They said, who is this guy that has authority and power that we could have been capsized and killed, that we could have been squashed, that we could have found ourselves out on the street, but God provided a home. We could have found ourselves without a job, but God gave us a job. That we could have you know, thought that our family was God, but God is bringing them back. Who is this person? Who is this deity? Who is this God? And I think that's the question we asked. Who is this teacher to you? Is he God? Is he a religious band-aid? Is he your friend? I can tell you one thing. You really don't know who he really is until you let him pick the course, let him on your boat in your life, and let him demonstrate who he is by facing the storms head on. That's how we know who he really is. That's why he allows three, you know, three boys into a fiery furnace. That's why he allows a prophet into the den of lions. Because he knows through those tough times, he gets to show up in a way that blows our mind. That blows our mind. Would you stand this morning? I just want to take a few moments and just, if you feel led, can we just put our hands in a way and position them? And in the way we do that physically, almost kind of like positions our heart to say, Lord Jesus, I want to know who you are. You might have known him all these years. You might just know him for a few weeks. You might not know who he is. He desires to reveal himself to you in every situation of your life. And I believe this morning, he wants to reveal himself to you in a mega big way. I'm going to pray over you. Come on, let's just take a few seconds right now. Let's dedicate it to the Lord. Whether you're going through a situation, whether your boat is rocking, whether you see the storm clouds coming, know that he's in your boat. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning, and we know that you're in complete control. We know what to do, and in our own way, and we know how to handle things in our own way, and we are experienced with certain things in our own way. But we give our way to you. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you reveal yourself to us. Reveal yourself to your people this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. As you're doing that, I'm going to close in prayer. Bree's going to go ahead and, and lead us in one last song. But if you want, you know, to be joined in prayer, if that's something you want to do, if you want somebody to agree with you for trusting the Lord and putting your faith in Him in a big way, we have a team of here who will, will pray with you. But let's go ahead and ask the Lord, Lord God, would you, would you show up in a big way and take control again. Be the captain of my situation. Thank you, Lord.